all live in the age of celebrity investors, from YouTube personalities with millions of followers, to Twitter personalities with investment threads and ideas every couple of seconds on Twitter, to TikTokers and Discord channel admins and newsletter publishers. There is a myriad of people out there who are famous, well-known and well-followed for their investment content and investment advice. We also have celebrity fund managers. For example, take Cassie Wood, founder, CEO and CIO of ARK Invest. She is truly a celebrity investor. But the question is, who among all these celebrity investors are worth listening to, following and getting advice from, and who is just good for entertainment and not worth following and listening to. Hey fellow Stockardians, welcome back to the show. Hoda, founder and CEO of Stockard here. Today I want to talk to you about how to distinguish a good investor, an intelligent investor, from just a celebrity investor. For this episode, I'll use Cassie Wood as an example of the celebrity investor, and I'll compare her with another celebrity investor from the tech bubble uh, back in 1919 and 2000, and we compare these two investors together using the framework that I wanna share with you, and at the end of the day, we want to come to conclusion whether Kathy Wood is worth following and listening to, despite everything that is happening to her funds. And hopefully this episode can give you a framework to use to evaluate any other celebrity investor that you are interested in and you are following, and you could decide whether that investor is only a good celebrity or actually a good investor worth following. So now let's just talk about Kathy Wood. For disclaimer purposes, I am actually an investor in RKK and RKG uh, funds, both of which that are managed by Kathy Wood and her team as a part of uh, the ARK Invest family. But let's look at rise of Kathy Wood as a celebrity investor and then her fall as a celebrity investor. She's been an investor all her life and uh, back in 2013-14 she started ARK Invest. Her funds or her company wasn't well known to a lot of us retail and individual investors until the 2020 uh, COVID-19 pandemic when she started to rise in celebrity status. As a matter of fact, if you look at the number of searches of her name on Google search, you'll see that right about that time, there is a significant hockey stick in the number of searches of her name on Google, and that's what brings her to this status of celebrity investor. And we have also have her fall from the celebrity status. Uh, you'll see uh, just about the same time as her fund uh, started to underperform and start taking the nosedive from middle of last year, 2021, you'll see her, the number of searches of her name basically goes down and you see a significant amount of hate 
in uh, disgust about her and her fund arises from internet you could see a lot of people don't believe in her anymore uh, so she's truly like a celebrity who has gone through this rise to the celebrity status lots of love and then fall from the celebrity status and lots of hate just similar and in parallel to the rise of the performance of her fund, her flagship fund, ARKK, um, all the way to up and then the nosedive from top uh, to where it is uh, right now. What we hear about Kathy Wood out there about how she was just a one-time lucky investor and she just used the hype uh, that was happening during the COVID pandemic um, to gain more uh, asset under management and she's actually not as a, as a good investor a lot of people had um, hoped so that's what you see a lot of media a lot of social media communities are comparing her with newbie investors she's not known as uh, the Kathy that everybody trusts anymore and she's losing her status Actually, I've seen an um, article that was shared uh, by one of our uh, group members from our Facebook group, the Intelligent Stock Market Investor Facebook group, um, who shared this article from uh, Financial Times with us. And in this article, they compared Kathy Wood with another fund manager. His name is Garrett Van Wagner, who was a celebrity fund manager before the 2000. Uh, tech bubble and he kind of went through a similar uh, pattern of rising to the fame to celebrity status and even people started comparing Garrett with Peter Lynch and a guy with a golden touch so he rose to the status celebrity investor status and then as his fund started losing their luster and as the tech bubble burst he basically lost a lot of the asset under management and his fund went down significantly and never able to recover. So that's what you see these days. They compare Cassie Wood with the likes of Garrett Van Wagner and basically say she's just not a good investor. She was just a very lucky investor with a a uh, period of time that she got very lucky and uh, that's why you see a lot of hate there. So that's why Kathy Wood is an excellent example for us to evaluate uh, whether she is similar to guys like Garrett Van Wagner or other fund managers and celebrity investors in the history who had a period of luck and then lost all of their asset under management and eventually quit investing altogether. So why does this matter? First of all, you could be an investor in Kathy Wood's fund, or you may be following any other celebrity investor out there on YouTube and Twitter. And because of the fall in many of the gross stocks and technology stocks, you're asking yourself whether you should hold on to those holdings or whether you should listen uh, and be loyal to that celebrity investor or not. Or maybe you're looking at the fall of a fund like Kathy Wood's fund, or some of these girls' stocks that are very recommended by other celebrity investors on YouTube and Twitter, and you're asking yourself, is it the time to buy? And can you trust the system and the processes that someone like Kathy Wood had put together in order to recover from this 
uh, fall that the fund has had um, experienced. So for those reasons, it's very important for us to come up with this framework. And I want to explain to you this framework that I've developed so that we can evaluate any investor for the quality of their thought process and for the quality of their investment decisions, regardless of what is happening to their actual fund at each period of time. So what's included in this framework? A framework to evaluate the quality of an investor. There's three parts to this framework. Part one, evaluating that whether the investor has track record of handling market cycles, the boom and bust of the cycle. Understanding whether in the history of making investment decisions or the investment in history of managing the fund, whether the investor has shown resiliency and ability to be able to get out of the bust and grow through a boom cycle, and whether that investor has been able to actually survive the boom and busts that market present. So part one is about the history and a track record of managing and living through boom and bust. Part two investment process. It's important to understand whether the investor, the celebrity investor you're following, has an investment process, a clearly laid out investment process and decision-making criteria for buying and selling a stock or a fund, and whether that process is a logical process that you understand as a person who follow that person. And part three is the sanity check of the decisions that the investor has made. Whether the decision that the investor has made in the past or is making right now has some logical merits. And whether you as a follower of that celebrity investor understand the merit and believe in the merits of that decision. So we'll use these three part model or framework to evaluate Kathy, compare her to Garrett, and at the end of the day, we decide whether Kathy Wood is truly as intelligent and as good investor as we all hoped and had assumed in the past couple of years, or whether she got lucky and is similar to a fund manager such as Garrett Van Wagner, who was just a lucky fund manager for a small period of time and then was not able to repeat his success after a few cycles of boom and bust. With that, let's get into the actual framework. So we're talking about the track record of managing boom and bust cycles in, in the stock market. And we want to see how Kathy Wood performed in that cycles and how Garrett Van Wagner, who is our comparison, uh, handled the market boom and bust cycle. To do that, I went and got a CNBC Pro subscription and searched for Kathy Wood's name all the way back to 2013 and 2014. I wanted to see whether Kathy has gone through similar boom and bust cycles in the past. And I found several examples of Kathy talking about her investments or investing in a specific stocks despite what was happening in the market. One of the best examples is the Apple example. So back in 2015, 
Apple was going through this period of time that everybody started assuming that the Apple has lost its luster. People started comparing Apple to the IBM and calling it it's the new IBM, saying that it can never recover to become another big company that it was once was. And the reason behind it was Apple was losing or slowing down in growth of the number of devices, the phone devices that they were selling back in 2015. People all assumed Apple is just a device maker and when the sales of devices are going down or the growth trend is slowing down, there's no more hope for Apple. And Kathy Wood was an investor in, uh, in Apple stock at the time and she showed up on CNBC just like she's showing up in CNBC these days and uh, she defended Apple with passion and based on logic. So very early on, she was interested and she was hopeful about the rise of subscription revenue for Apple and she understood the quality or the strength of Apple's brand and how Apple can monetize uh, this a strong brand and a strong base of devices uh, that they've put together or they had at the time. And also she was, she was talking about how uh, they can sell more iWatches or they can sell more devices and the story of Apple was not over. I even downloaded a few clips uh, from her conversation on CNBC that is worth listening to. And as you listen and watch her talking about Apple stock back in 2015, compare that to what she's going through right now and how the pattern is very similar between now and then. We've become more bullish uh, in the last few weeks uh, since they announced their upgrade program. We think that's going to reduce uh, the replacement cycle and effectively you're going to have a recurring revenue stream now uh, if people adopt the $32 per month um, uh, upgrade cycle. Another very good example is back in 2016 when the technology stocks were going to another um, period of downfall trend. In 2016, in the first 14 days of the year, uh, the technology sector measured by uh, uh, NASDAQ stock, uh, stock index uh, was down by almost 15%. Her fund, her flagship fund, ARKK, was down even further and a lot more than the NASDAQ index. But again, she appeared on CNBC and in the conversation, she was talking about how in periods of uncertainty, technology is the answer and technology is what's going to solve the problems. And that was her logic for holding on to her technology stocks and keep doubling down at the time, going against the wisdom of the crowd on what was being talked about, which was the technology sector uh, burst once again and the fall of technology stocks. I again downloaded a clip of that uh, conversation on CNBC back in 2016 that I think it's worth listening to. I don't know that we're at the bottom yet. We're actually down 20% from the highs in early December. And it appears that the high flyers, the fan companies and so forth that have largely been priced on price to sales are having troubles now. And we think money's going to flow to the companies that actually have some earnings and free cash flow. So I'm here kind of representing old tech. Right. And I think there's going to be a bit of a shift back to value. I'm not making a huge case for old tech, but I think, you know, the, the water's fine in the pool with the free cash flow right but now. But is this 2000? Actually, I think um, 
I think that uh, there's going to be an accelerated shift towards the new technologies. That's what always happens when mm -hmm. we get into a period of uncertainty. It's easy to see how Cassie Wood has been successful at managing her fund and her emotions and her investment decisions through other boom and bust cycles. And she's been able to keep investing in technology sectors or stocks that she believes in, irrespective of what is happening in the market sentiment, as we've seen two examples in 2016 and 2015. The second part of the framework, as we talked about, is the investment process. We want to understand whether the celebrity investor under the question, in this case, Cassie Wood, has a reliable investment process that uh, you can understand as a follower, as an investor. And we want to compare her to other celebrity uh, fund managers and investors, in this case, Garrett Van Wagner, and see whether the process that he was following is uh, similar to the process that Kathy Wood is uh, sharing with us. And uh, that could give us a sense of whether there is a uh, difference between a process for a good investor or a process or of a celebrity investor. To do so, I watched a documentary by PBS about Gary Van Wagner and um, used that documentary to investigate what kind of investment process a celebrity investor who was known as a person with a golden touch was following back in 2000, back in 1999, and compare that process with Kathy Wood's process and see whether there's similarities. So a few things shocked me when I listened and watched this documentary. One is Garrett was not following a, a long-term investment process. So he was pretty much a sentiment investor and he was trying to predict the market sentiment. He was a trader. So sometimes he would sell in and out of his stocks multiple times of the day, which is not to say that doesn't mean a good investment process. That could be trading or fast and rapid trading could be a very reliable investment process. But what shocked me behind it is how he would describe his investment decision. So a part of this documentary that I want you to listen and watch is that uh, Garrett talking about a stock in his portfolio that rallied 30% uh, or so in a matter of the day and how he was shocked about the rally himself. He mentioned so-and-so is up 30%. What did they do? Did they find gold uh, that they deserve to go up 30%? So let's listen. Let's feed the old ducks while they're quacking. The companies Garrett is investing in aren't Dunkin' Donuts and Kentucky Fried Chicken. They are mainly technology and healthcare stocks that most of us have never heard of. HNC Software has gone from up one to up seven and a half in about a minute and a half. New companies with little or no track record. Marking them up. The way the fund industry has changed has been to liberate fund managers, to pursue hot performance anywhere they can find it. And the result of that is, when you buy that fund, you have no idea what that fund manager is going to do with your money. He's free to put it in almost anything. That's what I like. Garrett's stock picks are among the most vulnerable and volatile around. But at the end of the day, they can produce eye-popping results. Oh my God, look at Integrated Systems, they up eight and three quarters. The, the, what did they discover, gold? 
as you can see, Garrett is as surprised as anybody else, about 30% or so jump in the stocks he owns, and he has no clue uh, what's the reason behind it. This tells me Garrett wasn't really familiar with uh, the core company, the core business model behind the companies that he was investing in, and he would just react to their uh, market price up and down, and uh, just the same as some of the traders that are out there. That also tells me he wasn't spending a significant amount of time on reading charts or following the trends in the market. He would basically go in with gut feeling and gut decision-making and uh, would go in and out of the stocks based on what he would have thought would happen to the stocks. Another reason that I talk about Garrett and say he didn't have a good investment process is that he was managing multiple mutual funds at a time and he was a one-man show, which is quite surprising because think about the last time you wanted to invest in the stock or an ETF, whether you were doing fundamental analysis or technical analysis, how much time it took you to do your research and make a good investment decision. Multiply that by hundreds of stocks because he was managing multiple mutual funds and he was going in and out of them every day. And think about the amount and sheer volume of hours of research that is required to go into those decisions and how can one man do all of that research by himself and make those rapid investment decisions uh, as a one man show and still be successful. Compare that to the extensive research that Kathy Wood and ARK Invest puts out. Just at the beginning of 2022, Kathy Wood and her team put out the Big Ideas 2022 research. It's a five hour show on YouTube that each of her team members come up and share a, an in-depth amount of research about the companies and the spaces that they're investing in. And if you go to ARK Invest websites and go and look at their team, you'll notice there are at least 10 to 12 research analysts supporting Kathy Wood in her decisions to manage all the funds. And not only there are 10 to 12 research analysts, but she also has a big support network of traders and portfolio managers and administration uh, team who help her run the fund and uh, compare that to Garrett, again, from the documentary, Garrett was the one who would do the research, make the stock picks, or make a decision on selling his stocks that he owns, and he would execute the orders himself over the phone. So for those two reasons, lack of a support team, lack of a research team, and lack of an apparent investment research process tells me there is a significant difference between how Garrett, the guy with a golden touch, who lost his luster after a boom cycle and boss cycle in the market, with Kathy Wood, who has a great research team and does an extensive amount of research and share that openly and freely with everyone. And that tells us there's a significant difference between the research process of these two investors. So far, we've talked about the team and the investment research process that each of these two investors, Kathy and Garrett, were following when they were making their investment decisions or when they are making their investment decisions in case of Kathy. And the other thing I wanna talk about is the type of the companies that each of these two uh, investors invest in. Back to the documentary from Garrett, um, he was investing in companies that were either just going 
public or he was a private investor before the companies go public and he would keep those uh, stocks or those equities uh, through the IPO and then he would start making investment decisions or selling decisions about those IPOs. A lot of times he would invest in companies that nobody were familiar in and companies that had no track record when it comes to sales, revenues and users. I wanted to compare that with the type of companies that Kathy would invest in. So to do so, I looked up the top five holdings of Kathy's ARKK or their flagship ARK Invest uh, fund and um, wanted to evaluate these companies from a uh, revenue and cash flow generation power. Because after all, we know Kathy doesn't invest in companies that are profitable in most cases, but are the companies that she invests in have solid track record of performance or she actually invests in companies without any track record, just like how Garrett Van Wagner was investing in back in 1990 and 2000. So the top five holdings in ARKK fund are Tesla, Teladoc, Zoom, Coinbase, and Roku. I pulled up the sales uh, track record of these five companies. All five companies have had a rapidly growing sales and revenue more than $2 billion um, in the past uh, year or so. So from a sales point of view, she's actually investing in companies with solid sales track record. But maybe sales is not enough. How about we take a look at free cash flow? Free cash flow is a very good indicator to evaluate the ability of a company's business model to generate cash when you remove the cost of operating the business and when we remove a cost like uh, capital expenditure. So even though the companies that Kathy is investing in mostly not profitable, but all five top holdings of the fund are companies that generate free cash flow. So compare these two. On the one side, Kathy invests in companies with solid track record of sales and free cash flow with Garrett Van Wagner, who would invest in recent IPOs without any track record of sales or cash flow or free cash flow whatsoever. So in the second part of the framework that we are using to evaluate a celebrity investor with a true intelligent investor, we looked at the process that these investors follow using um, the type of company, the track record of the type of companies they invest, using the investment process and decision-making process that they go through, and using the support network and team that support each of these investors. And we clearly see there's a difference between how a good investor such as Kathy Wood is uh, following a reliable process, has a big support team who help her make investment decisions and focus on companies with solid track record, whereas someone like Garrett Van Wagner, who was once known as a guy with a golden touch in investing, did not have a solid process or investing in uh, companies with solid track record and actually was a one-man show without any research support network. Now we come to the last part of our framework, which is evaluating the sanity of the decisions being made by the investor. If you and I, as followers and as investors who believe these celebrity investors, understand and validate their investment decisions and believe there is a logic to their investment decision, that could tell us a lot about the quality of that investor. For this part of the framework, 
I want to do a quick valuation exercise with you. I'll go back to the top five holdings of Kathy Wood's flagship investment fund, ARKK. I'll look at their current valuation and I'll try to estimate what could these companies' valuations be in five years from now and whether as an investor, I believe in a possibility of a significant amount of growth in these companies' market capitalization that would justify Kathy Wood's insistence on holding on to these companies despite their significant amount of uh, price fall and even buying more of the same companies. So get ready, I'm gonna pull up a Google sheet that I used for doing a quick valuation exercise and I used stock cards tool in order to get the information I'm interested in and we'll together take a look at and do a quick evaluation of the process that Kathy Wood has gone through potentially in her mind uh, to decide whether uh, these companies that she's investing in are worth holding and even buying more of. So on this Google sheet, you see the top five holdings of ARKK and I pulled uh, their market capitalization and their price to sales ratio on the day that I was doing this research. If you've been a StockCard user, you know how to get this information, but if you're new to StockCard, you know that you can easily look up information such as market cap or price to sales uh, ratio on a StockCard by looking up that stock on a StockCard and going to key information section for the market cap and into the valuation section for valuation ratios such as price to sales ratio. Okay, I'm gonna bring up a Google sheet that I use for a quick valuation exercise. I did this exercise on March 8th, so all of the valuations and figures that you see are as of March 8th, and I pulled up the top five holdings of ARKK ETF, which is ARK Invest uh, flagship stocks. And I used a stock card tool to pull up the market cap and their current price to sales ratio. If you've been a stock card user for a while, you know how to get this information. If you're not a stock card user, I highly recommend you create a free account today and take it for a spin. And let me show you how you can get the market cap and price to sales ratio. You can look up any companies that you're interested in, go to the key information section to get their market cap, and go to the valuation section to get ratios such as price to sales ratio. Here you see that I've done that exercise for all five stocks and got their market cap and price to sales ratio. Now I wanted to come up with a, a reliable or a logical price to sales ratio that I can use to do my valuation exercise in the next five years. So these companies are now hovering close to their 52 week low or much lower than some of the valuations that they've had in the past two years. There's nothing to say that these companies can't go lower than this current price to sales ratio, but it's also unfair to say that their price to sales ratio are gonna stay the same in the next five years. There's probably opportunities for them to hover at higher prices. So I pulled a few comparable data points. One is I pulled the five-year high price to sales ratio. So the, so the price to sales ratio of these five companies 
in the past five years at its highest level. I also downloaded or got the five-year low price to sales ratio, so the lowest price sales ratio for these stocks in the last five years. I also brought the average price to sales ratio of software and application industry and average price to sales ratio of the overall market because I wanted to be fair in coming up with a price to sales ratio that I can use for the valuation of these companies in the next five years. I calculated the median price to sales ratio for each of the stocks using the last five-year high, the last five-year low, average PS of the software and application industry, and average price to sales ratio of the overall market. And I will be using this median price to sales ratio for these companies in the next five years. Next, I wanted to see what is the opportunity for the revenue growth of these companies. Now I wanted to figure out what would be the estimated annual revenue growth rate for these companies in the next uh, five years. So I brought three data points. One is for each of the companies I identified the primary industry that it is operating in and then looked up the growth rate of that primary industry on that company's stock card. For example, Tesla operates in electric vehicle uh, industry and then I pulled the growth rate forecast of the electric vehicle industry from Tesla's stock card uh, and put it here. I repeated the same exercise for the rest of the companies. For example, Coinbase operates in the cryptocurrency industry, so I put the forecasted revenue growth rate, uh, forecasted industry growth rate for Coinbase here. I also brought the revenue growth rate of these companies, their actual revenue growth rate in the last quarter compared to the previous year's same quarter and put those forecasts or those figures on this Google Sheet. And as you know, you can get that information from a stock card. And lastly, I pulled the forecasted revenue growth rate of the current fiscal year for each of these companies, which is also available on the company's stock card by going to the sales and revenue forecast section. And then I calculated the average annual growth rate for each of these stocks using those three uh, data points that I've collected for each of these companies. So I'm trying to be fair in terms of estimating the average annual growth rate for each of these companies, not only based on what has been happening in the past for them, but also by adding the current forecast for the current year and also the primary industry's growth rate that they're operating in. So lastly, I use that estimated annual growth rate to estimate the revenue of each of these companies in the next five years using their current revenue and multiplying that by the estimated growth rate that I've calculated over the course of the next five years. And finally, I used the the median price uh, to sales ratio that I've calculated in step one of this exercise and came up with the market cap estimation for each of the companies on ARC's uh, flagship ARKK. Um, and I wanted to compare that estimated market uh, cap with the current market cap 
of the companies and see what is the growth rate that we can expect from these companies. I combine the estimated market cap of these companies um, using the methodologies that I've used and I compare that to the average market cap of these companies uh, in the current um, year and what I see is that there is an opportunity for a compounded annual growth rate in the market cap of these companies between 44% to 53%. So as you see, this exercise tells me that Cathie Wood's decisions are based on a logic that I as an investor can easily understand and replicate myself. You and I just went through evaluation exercise of the top five holdings of Cathie Wood's ARKK investment fund. And we came down to the estimated growth rate of 44 to 53% in these top five companies in the next five years. And that tells me the decision by Candy Wood to keep investing in the companies that she holds in her ARKK fund is a sane and logical decision because I as an investor can actually understand and see a path to a significantly higher market cap for the top five companies in the ARKK investment fund. So I'm concluding that Cathie Wood is actually making sound and logical investment decisions when it comes to managing her fund and maybe even doubling down in the companies that she holds in her fund. Now let's summarize everything. We looked at a three-part framework to evaluate Cathie Wood as a celebrity investor with another celebrity investor from the technology and tech bubble in 1999 and 2000, whose name was Garrett Van Wagner. And we came to a conclusion that as a celebrity investor, Kathy Wood can also be a very good investor. She has a track record of going through boom and bust cycles of the market. She has a logical and understandable investment process and gets support from a reliable team of analysts traders and portfolio managers to execute her investment process. And we also did a valuation sanity check of the decisions she's making these days of buying more and doubling down on the companies that she holds in her fund despite their significant amount of price fall. We didn't see evidence of any of those uh, three uh, characteristics in our comparison fund manager, Garrett Van Wagner, uh, based on as much as information we could have found. There you have it, a three-part framework that we use to evaluate two celebrity investors, one being Kathy Wood and another one being Garrett Van Wagner from the 1919 and 2000 tech bubble burst. Hopefully this framework can help you evaluate any other celebrity investor that you follow and listen to on social media and you can make a decision on your own whether that investor is just a very good famous celebrity or actually is a good investor with solid track record and solid investment process and logical investment decisions that you understand and believe in. If you did enjoy this episode, please make sure to like the episode, put a good comment in the comment section and click on that like button and follow button so that you can get notifications of the future episodes. I also want to invite you to take a look at a stock card. 
we spent significant amount of time in building a platform for individual investors like you and I to simplify the discovery and research of stocks and ETFs and funds that we all like to invest in. The platform is free to use, of course, but there's a VIP version that gives you access to all the premium features in an unlimited way. If you decide to upgrade to the VIP version, use promo code ROLLWITHOURCEO, all lowercase, to get 10% off of your first subscription. And of course, subscribing to Stockard gives us the opportunity to produce more high quality content on YouTube, on our podcast, and other social media channels. So if you are a VIP subscriber, we truly appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening and watching and see you next time.